What's up, guys? This is Michael here with Team Nori, bringing you guys back with another episode of the High Bar Podcast. I believe this is our 14th episode. If I'm wrong, I apologize. Uh, but here tonight, we're going to get joined by me, and it's going to be afternoon for Jaren uh, yep. from Hawaii. And today, we wanted to really just kind of catch up because it's been a little while since uh, Jaren and I have really talked and uh, just be able to see like how things have been going with this gym and with everything else going on in life and uh, just get to know how he is. So, hey, Jaron, thank you for joining us today. Uh, how are you doing, man? Really good, man. Really, really good. Um, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a crazy year, honestly. Uh, I think the last time we touched bases was probably beginning of the year. And I don't even think, I don't think I've had the, the gym open yet when we, uh, when we hopped on the podcast. No, I think that would have been uh, the last official episode that we did together. And I think around the time was when uh, Jaron was, I think, uh, prefacing that the gym project was going to happen. And uh, mm -hmm. obviously, uh, uh, a lot has been done and, and been, uh, Jaron's been able to accomplish in this time. So I'm, I'm happy to finally get to kind of reconvene with Jaron and, you know, yeah, see how things are going. So uh, like lately, how, how have you felt just like energy level wise and just with your schedule? <laughs> like what, what have things been like on that front, man? Yeah, for sure, man. Well, for sure, energy wise and, and scheduling, like, uh, I feel a lot better now. I feel a lot better now as we've, uh, we've kind of settled into things. Uh, to give a, an idea of timeline, we moved in in the beginning, or I would say middle of March, um, and things picked up literally right away. We didn't have, um, a lot of time to do renovations or a lot of time to move equipment in. Um, so it was like, right as soon as we stepped foot into the space, it was like, we're firing on all cylinders. You know, we're renovating, moving equipment in. We're trying to get this going, that going. Uh, we're trying to run meets too. So uh, it definitely took some time to get adjusted to all of these additional tasks that had to be done. Um, but I would say as of now, um, things have started to normalize a little bit. I can get a little more of a consistent schedule, just life schedule, work schedule. Um, I've been starting to train a little bit more too. So that's, that's awesome. Like for the first half of the year or, you know, really up until like two months ago or one month ago, um, I wasn't really able to train just, you know, trying to put all of my energy and time into the gym and my lifters and running meets. But now it's uh, it's been a lot better, man. So I'm really happy. Uh, but yeah, we got some exciting stuff coming up for for next year. So it's going to start to pick up pretty soon again. So <laughs> Awesome, uh, but yeah, man. I mean, mm -hmm. overall schedule schedule has been uh, has been a lot better, man. Uh, I've been feeling really good. Yeah, and, and I'm really happy to uh, hear that because I feel like uh, I was once told, you know, something like balance is a verb. It's something you have to create and, and have, right? And I think uh, many of us uh, out there that might just work a typical nine to five or have kind of a stability in our schedules, it's a really tough and uh, just risky venture to go in and. Uh, put everything, put your heart and soul into a business and project that you're passionate about. And uh, yeah. there's no, there's no weekends, there's no summer breaks or anything like that. It's just exactly. every day, yeah. you know, you're, you're, you're growing and building and hearing with all the feedback, like, what do I need to improve? What do I need to change? So yeah, like uh, yeah. I, I know um, the name of their gym is Ukiyo and uh, you've explained, I believe uh, the origin and the story behind it before, but um, I'm curious just to kind of hear some, you know, deeper thoughts or any more explanation on kind of what uh, helped you settle on the name as you opened the gym. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. So ukiyo is a Japanese word and the modern translation is to live in the moment. Um, the second meaning of it is to be in the state where you're escaped from the stresses of life. And so, when I, when I found that word, it really, really resonated with me. But before that, you know, I was trying to think about a gym name that I could relate to, right? Like something that felt like it was me, something that was relevant to me. Um, and because I was born and raised in Hawaii, at first I was thinking about Hawaiian words, like, okay, maybe we can look into that because a lot of Hawaiian words have a, a ton of meaning too, you know, like mm -hmm. it's, um, it's really, I mean, it's amazing. So I was looking into Hawaiian words, but and I found some that would have worked out really well, but um, it just didn't really feel like me because ethnicity-wise, I'm Japanese and I'm Okinawan. So I was like, although I was born and raised here, you know, it didn't feel 100% like me. So I started to look into Japanese words um, and came across ukiyo. I came across a few others, um, but ukiyo really stood out to me um, in terms of living in the moment because at that time, it was really like how I felt was I was living in the moment. You know, I was taking a risk. I was just looking at the opportunity that was in front of me um, 
And it could go one of two ways. It could go really well or it could completely bomb. You know, it could, you could fail, right? Like, let's be real. So um, in that moment, I was like, okay, I can just either, I can just continue pursuing coaching, um, which mm -hmm. is a little more comfortable, a little more stable, um, or I could take this risk and really go all in on opening up a gym and doing it for the community. And um, I was like, yeah, man, I knew what the community wanted. I knew what the demands were. Um, I listened to a lot of people around me and how they, how they wanted a gym with this equipment or they wanted this kind of space or, you know, they always wish that they could get Eleco racks or an Eleco bar or plates or things like that. And I was like, yeah, I feel like I just got to take this, this opportunity that's in front of me and, and go all in on it. So it really did feel like I was living in the moment um, and just trusting myself, trusting the people around me to, to get the job done. Um, and then on top of that too, just, you know, a little further back, um, if you asked me a few years ago, if I was going to even be a powerlifting coach or let alone a gym owner, mm -hmm. I would have been like, there's no, there's no fucking shot. You know? <laughs> uh, when I was an undergrad, I was majoring in civil engineering. And so, I remember. For, yeah. So from my freshman year until my senior year, I graduated with, a, with my bachelor of science in civil engineering, and then, um, ended up going to grad school as well for engineering. Um, so for, you know, the six, seven years, it was always like, okay, I'm going to become an engineer. And then all of a sudden the opportunity presented itself to become a powerlifting coach and pursue that full time. So that was another step of like, okay, live in the moment, take this opportunity, go all in on it. So, um, I guess that meaning kind of has, you know, it has more layers than just the gym, you know, it's, it's like pursuing coaching, opening the gym, running meets, all of those things. So. Um, that's kind of how I just settled, settled on the word ukiyo. And, um, at first when I, when I saw it, I really liked the way that it looked and I loved the meaning, but I was like, I don't know, people might not, they might not, it might be hard to pronounce, you know, or like, Hey, we're going to ukiyo. At first it sounded weird. I think that happens all the time when you have like a new business and you say it out loud for the first time, you're like, I don't know. It's, it sounds kind of off, but, um, it really, really grew on me, you know, the more that I thought of it. And I was like, yeah, I feel like it, it's the right word. Yeah, and, and uh, I, I'd have to actually agree with you there that I feel like just the word ukiyo itself, if you kind of lay it out, it is a very aesthetically kind of pleasing word, but you're totally yeah. right. I mean, in the beginning, you kind of have to have the word roll off your tongue many times for it to start to feel really comfortable. And, exactly. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that, exactly. that's amazing uh, behind the story, behind kind of the word and the name. I think a lot of like Asian uh, language terms, they have these certain words where there's like more of a deeper double or triple meaning behind it. Uh, which, which is amazing that you kind of came across it, but yeah, I mean, that being said, I feel like you kind of cover this with, with what you were saying, but, um, obviously, uh, in, in a state like Hawaii, you know, it's a smaller state, there's islands. Um, it's going to be a location where I would imagine, you know, there wasn't a lot of gyms, uh, that kind of provided this service. Like you said, you know, members were saying, Oh, Lico racks, et cetera. This would be nice. So mm -hmm. uh, aside from the demand, what were some of the other things that fueled your vision? Like when you were, you know, even before thinking of the name that said, you know, I want to be the one to maybe provide a gym. Like what was the spark for that? Would you say? Yeah, for sure, man. Well, I mean, maybe, maybe backtracking. I mean, it wasn't really a dream that I had for a long time, honestly, you know, I, I never, I mean, I think when I was um, like an undergrad and I was running the club, I always thought it would be cool. Like, yeah, if I could open up a gym one day, that's dope. But it, it never really, it wasn't like a steady thought in my head. And I was always, I woke up every day, like I'm going to be a gym owner one day. You know, it, it kind of, yeah, it, it, it just sparked out of, I think, demand and, and listening to the people around me and me wanting to provide that for them, honestly. Um, because even when um, the lockdowns happened in 2020, right, um, ended up building a home gym and I had some friends come over. Uh, I think, you know, Chris, Chris Yosh, Chris Yoshikawa, mm -hmm, yeah. he was one of my friends who came over. I only had like, you know, two to three people who were able to come over at the time because uh, lockdowns were pretty strict in Hawaii, but, um, I had like, uh, I had like a squat rack. I had some kilos. I had like some dumbbells and, you know, just some miscellaneous equipment. And, um, it was in my, in my uncle's garage basically. But, um, yeah, I remember Chris coming in and he was like, man, this is, this is pretty awesome, man. Like, you know, do you ever think you're going to open up a gym one day? And I was like, mm -hmm. nah, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think so, honestly. And that was in, that was in 2020, you know, that was wow. like, that was two years ago. And I was like, nah. I don't think so, man. Like, I, yeah, I mean, it's cool, but I just don't think it's, it's something that I would pursue. Um, but then as we, 
you know, transitioned out of the lockdown phase, you know, I just kind of listened to to the demands of people around me. And they were like, I mean, like, like we talked about, they wanted Eleko racks or is always like, man, it'd be so cool if we could get that one day or even like a belt squat, you know, like um, it was cool because at that time I would hear Sean and Chance and everyone talk about like belt squats and how amazing it is. And, you know, all me and all of my training partners were like, damn, that'd be That would be awesome if we could have that, you know, or just access to more equipment or top of the line equipment or equipment that everyone's talking about. Um, And so, yeah, when when I really decided to go all in on coaching um, and really take that leap of faith and be like, okay, I'm going to go all in on this. um, I kind of had a realization that I would have some extra time to um, pursue something else, you know, or maybe take a bigger lead on something a bigger lead on a project because i'm no longer tied to like i have to be in the office nine to five or nine to seven or something you know i can work from home as a powerlifting coach so then it kind of sparked my idea of okay maybe um because i'm going to be working from home or it's like more of like a remote job i can you know get back to my lifters any place um you know maybe i could just do it in a gym and while i'm while i'm running a gym so um talked about it more and um yeah i really just decided that i felt like i was the right person to do it you know the right person to take the risk because like i said like lifestyle wise i was kind of in the position to do so you know some other people who are working those long hours like they may not be able to physically be there or financially be there as much as they would like but um yeah i was kind of in the mindset of like i'm i'm going to just continue to provide for people and I'd already been a coach and I'd already, you know, started running the club at the, at the university of Hawaii. And this felt like the next kind of step in, in, uh, in the sport for me. So yeah, that's, that's kind yeah. of how I decided to go all in on mm-hmm. it. And, and, and drawing from that, it's awesome because I think, uh, you had this foundation getting built over the years and a lot mm-hmm. of people starting to look up to you, a lot of people seeing you as a leader figure. So, you know, from a, both the business standpoint, as well as just like serving the community, I mean, it made a lot of sense. And, mm-hmm. um, I guess like now that, um, you know, we fast forward closer to when the gym had, you know, opened in May, um, when, when you started opening it, like, I'm sure there was a lot of things you had to troubleshoot. It felt probably really overwhelming, I would, I would presume. Um, yeah. you know, the, yeah. the business itself is tough. And, and what would you say, like, throughout that whole process kept you grounded, uh, while you pursued something that, like you said, was pretty sporadic? It was risky in a sense, uh, but yeah. obviously something you wanted to do. What, what kind of kept you grounded throughout that? For sure, the people around me. Um, I mean, you know, I talk about it all the time, but having a community and having a support system, it's the most important thing. You know, like anyone can, anyone can, can open up a gym, you know, anyone can do it really, you know, all you need to do is just like submit your name on the lease and order equipment and you're good to go. But if you have no support system, you have no community, you have no one around you who wants to do it with you. I mean, it's, it's not the same, you know, like, and chances are you won't really be able to do it if it's just you. So um, definitely relying on, on the people around me and, and, you know, falling on them when I needed some support because there are definitely times that, yeah, it was, it was tough, man. It was tough. So having those people around me, it, it helped me get through it, man. And that's why, like, I have a lot of pride in, in what we do as a community. And a lot of times I think even Sean and I were, we're talking about this before, but like when he talks to me about the gym and he's like, Oh yeah, what are you, what are you guys doing for this? Or what are you doing for this? And I'm like, Oh yeah, we have this plan or we're doing this, or we're going to, have this or we're going to put this on he's like okay so you say we do you mean like there's another partner in the in the gym with you and i'm like no it's it's uh it's just me as the owner but every time i think of the mm-hmm. gym and everything that we're doing i don't think of myself i don't think of just me doing it i think of us as a community us as a collective doing it all together so um yeah just falling back on on your support system and chelsea's been phenomenal you know supporting me every single step of the way going above and beyond for everything that I'm doing. Um, so understanding all the time, because I mean, like you talked about at the beginning of the podcast, when you're a gym owner, it's seven days a week. It's all day, every day. You know, there's a lot of times where I was coming home at like, you know, I, I go in in the morning time and then I come home at like midnight, 1 a.m., 2 a.m. There were times when we we're renovating where we'd renovate literally until like 7, 8 a.m. in the morning. Like we're there almost pulling 24 hour days. Um, like there's a few times where we were renovating and installing wood slats and, um, it was like me and Chris Yosh and Chelsea and his girlfriend there, they were all supporting us. And like, 
we were doing renovations until the morning time. Like they went on a Starbucks run. Um, they're like, okay, let's get some Dang. more coffee to get us through this, this last leg in the morning. So, you know, she's always so supportive of me, regardless of how much time I have to put in. And a lot of times she's there with me, you know, like she wants to be there with me. Um, so that's, that's just been amazing, man. Um, and, and I think you, you can't do it unless you have a partner who's so supportive and so understanding, mm-hmm. that way, you know, because yeah, I mean, if you're spending most of your time at the gym and you're only come home just to sleep and then that's it, you know, like it could, it could be tough on a lot of people, but for her, she, she wants to be there for every step of the way. And it's, it's been, I'm so grateful, man. I'm so grateful beyond words. And, um, with her, we also have uh, a director of rehab. So his name is mm-hmm. Randall. He's been a huge support as well. He's always there for game planning. Whenever we have to do things, he's always going the extra mile as well. And then I could literally name off like 30 people who, who, who do the same thing, you know, but it's, it's just so many people who come together to, to, to do what we do and who believe in the vision and, you know, trust me and trust the people around us. So it's, it's awesome, man. And it's really nice to have this time actually to reflect on it because I haven't really had a chance to reflect too much since we've opened the gym. You know, it's always just what's next, what has to be done, how can we do this better, what more can we do for the community. So I don't really get too many chances to, to take a step back and reflect, but it's, it's really nice, man. It's, it's making me a little emotional thinking about, you know, how much is, is being put into this. Um, but sorry, that was kind of a long-winded winded response but no yeah. not at all man I, yeah. I i mean i i appreciate um kind of the monologue speaking from the heart man and really you know just reflecting back i think uh it's it's definitely easy to in a positive way get emotional when you look back at this crazy journey which really now it's barely been half a uh, half a year plus where there was that yeah. big rapid change happening and mm-hmm. i think um you know, it, out of what you feel like you'd be comfortable sharing, like, what would you say was one of the hardest moments so far where you had that day where you were like, man, I really needed someone to lean on? Like, you know, you don't have to go into the details per se, but what, what were some of the most challenging parts that you have to deal with so far? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I would say definitely, man, as we're transitioning into when we were transitioning into opening up the gym and, you know, trying to let things normalize. It was, it was tough on me because I pretty much tripled my workload, you know, all that. Mm-hmm. So I was like a full-time coach coming into this, right, um, before I opened up the gym. And I felt comfortable with where I was at. But I felt like I was at a pretty good capacity. Like, um, I was pretty busy, you know. Um, but then opening up the gym, it's another pretty much full-time job. Like I said, sometimes you're there 12, 14, 20 hours a day doing, doing work. So that's another thing that's added and it's seven days a week. But then on top of that, um, we were trying to run competitions too, um, pretty much right as soon as we moved in. Like it was, I think our first meet was a month and a half after we first stepped foot into the space. So that's another role that I had as a, as a meet director and also as the state chair that it was just, um, you know, if you're, if you're putting a lot of thought and a lot of energy and a lot of emotion um, into running these meets, it, it takes up a lot of time too, because you have to game plan for it. You have to visualize, you have to think about things you want to do differently. Like we built a wood slat backdrop for, <laughs> for USA powerlifting, which was fucking crazy. That's odd. Um, but we did, we built it, you know, I built it and we painted it. Um, it was me, Noah and Sharvis the night before the Honolulu night lift. Like we stayed in, there until like 6am and we wow. were like painting it, building it. And even they were like, Shit, I, like we were building it and I was like, okay, this is what we got to do. This is how we got to lay it out. This is where this is going to go. And they were like, okay, fuck, I don't know if I see if I see the vision yet, but fuck, we'll do it. And then we did it. We stayed that whole night doing it together. And then we put it up literally the morning of the meet. That's when we finished it. Wow. Um, and they were like, oh, fuck, okay, I see the vision now. It's, it's, fucking, <laughs> it's super sick. But, you know, there's just so much that goes into planning and executing everything that comes with the meat and the gym. And so I think with that, um, you know, pretty much, yeah, like I just said, I mean, tripling my, my workload, that was really, really hard to, to balance. And um, at first I was able to do it and I, f- I felt great coming in every single day. Um, and I had a lot of energy, but that, <laughs> that kind of adrenaline run, runs out a little bit when you're just running on fucking three hours of sleep every yeah. day, you know? So um, yeah, that was, that was, pretty tough to to find a balance of but um 
yeah, I would say that was one of the most challenging things. But as things um, as things kind of got settled, now it's kind of like, okay, what can we do better and what can we do more? You know, um, but that initial phase, yeah, it was it was definitely tough, man. I didn't really have too much time for myself, honestly, to do anything. Um, because if I had some downtime, it was like, okay, now, you know, if we weren't doing renovations, we weren't planning for the meets, then it's, um, we're What's the back next to thing? you know, yeah. so it's like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, there was, there was no free time to do, to do anything really. Yeah. I see. Well, you know, and, and that's amazing that you put all that time and energy to finally, you know, get it to a point where now you can sort of create a little bit more of a structure and routine with how things are going. But yep. w- with the meets, I think, um, I guess like one of the things I would be curious about is uh, when I first look at like a gym business from a powerlifting perspective, it's tough uh, because a lot of times it is really the membership and the members that fuel, you know, the gym to continue to succeed and thrive. But of course, mm-hmm. I think for powerlifting gyms, one niche kind of market we can enter with it is obviously the ability to host meets um, as one extra source of event or income for the gym. Now, uh, I'm sure that kind of fueled uh, you in the beginning to say, okay, this is something we can also do because there is both a demand and a profitability from it. Now, what, what would you say just moving forward is kind of the vision with your ability to host meets now? Like, what are you planning to kind of do now that you, you have the tools and the, the location to be able to host more often? Yep, for sure, man, for sure. So, um, we definitely plan on hosting meets regularly next year. Um, probably not as much as, as this year. We actually, <laughs> so we were running meets like every two months or, or less. Um, I think we ran five meets in the span of wow. 10 months. Um, it was fucking, it was crazy, bro. It was, it was a lot. So we had um, a meet that we did. It was the Aloha Open. That was on a beach. That was in January. I remember. And Yep. And then in April, we hosted our first meet, which was at Ukiyo. Um, that was the night lift. And then in July, we had the state championships. In mm-hmm. September, we had the Lokahi Open. And then in November, we had the Makahiki Open, which was our biggest meet of the year. Um, but it, 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 takes a, it takes a lot out of you, man. <laughs> when you, of course. When you got meets like back to back to back. Um, it takes a lot out of me, but then it takes a lot out of our staff too, you know, because our staff yeah. is it's um it it takes a village to to run a meet like that so or or run meets in general you know no matter what the capacity is or how many lifters you have it takes a lot of people to come together to do it so um it was uh it was a lot man it was a lot and i don't think yeah it was i think next year we're gonna still host meets but just not as frequently i think as of right now we're thinking about having three meets Maybe four. Um, if we're feeling good, I always try to touch in and, and touch bases with my with my staff, seeing how they're feeling, you know, what their thoughts are, you know, when they want to compete, but then also like how they're feeling energy wise, would they want to work this or, you know, should we slow down the pace a little more, a little less? And I think we're all kind of on the same page that like three is like our sweet spot for next year. So um, next year, we're going to have a meet in May, um, mm-hmm. planning on having a meet sometime in july or august and then okay. i think our last meet of the year is going to be in november um gotcha so yeah, man, yeah, yeah. I mean, go, going back to like uh being being a meet director and building up to the the place that we're at now with the meets that we're able to run it was definitely a slow build you know um and it's it's funny that you say that uh you know meets can sometimes be a, a, a an opportunity to to you know, make some money and make some income and support the gym. But the first few meets that we ran to be completely honest and transparent, like I was losing money, you know, because oh, every, yeah. yeah. And I mean, I don't, I don't have any, any shame in saying that because I was down to mm-hmm. it, you know, and I was like, okay, I know that there has to be um, a lot that's put into the meet in order to get where we want to be at the end of the year. Right. So every time I ran a meet, it wasn't like, okay, we're, we're trying to run this meet for this one. It's like, okay, I'm trying to invest more so that at the end of the year we have, an amazing production, you know? So mm-hmm. every time that we ran a meet, um, everything that I made, I was putting right back into the meet, right back into the lifters, right back into our staff, and then going and, and purchasing additional things for it. Um, and we didn't always, we didn't always sell out, man. It was hard to even get some people to compete in our meets in the first half of the year, to be completely honest. Um, you know, I mean, some people look at the meets that we do now and I'm so, so grateful and so thankful that the last few meets that we've been able to run, we've been able to sell out and, and pretty yeah. quickly, but it definitely was not always like that. Like our first meet in January, I think we had 35 lifters 
Mm-hmm. And then our meet in April, I think we had about 45. I, it was less than 50. Um, mm-hmm. And we were like, okay, we wanted to go all in on those meets. And we're like, okay, if we go all in on this and we put a lot into the production, I think we're going to get a lot of people who want to compete. But, you know, the next meet rolled around and we had a hard time getting people to sign up for it again. You know, I think our state championship meet, we only had like 30 lifters um, or maybe 33. It was something like that. Um, and it was every time it was like, okay, you know, we, I think if we up our game this time, we're going to have a lot of people who want to sign up. But we did it. And then registration still weren't where we wanted it to be. And for some people, that could be discouraging. For me, it was, it was a little bit like, oh, man, that's a bummer. But that it was kind of used it as fuel to, to do our next meet even better, you know, to put even more into our meets. So instead of using it to discourage me, I, I used it as an advantage and, and something that I could use positively. So um Every time I was like, okay, we got something to prove again. We, you know, we got to keep putting more back into the meets. Um, and then after that, we finally had um, a lot of interest with, with people wanting to do our meets. Like our September meet, I think sold out in 10 minutes. Um, yeah. We opened up some additional spots and that sold out in like five minutes or two minutes, something like that. It was, it was, we're, it was kind of funny because we're making a joke. Like it's kind of like uh, you have to register within two minutes or you know, you don't get a spot. It's like the, <laughs> it's like the got em notification. I think yeah, like, yeah. Uh, made like a, like an edit, like got him, like got into the meet, like a Jordan or something. But um, yeah. And then for our November meet, again, we sold out in like five minutes. So, um, you know, some people look at that and they're like, oh shit, right off the bat, you know, everyone was interested in doing these meets and like, you know, this is, it, it just happened in the first time, but it really wasn't like that. It, it was a slow build. And it took us four to five meets to finally get to a point where we were able to fill up, fill up our meets. So if there's any meet directors out there and you know, you try it for the first time and don't get um, a full, a full meet, it's okay. You know, like don't be discouraged. You got to just keep going at it. Um, Keep putting more back into the meets, more into the lifter experience, more into the community. And then, you know, eventually it'll, it'll come around and um, hopefully next year it, it will be something that can, that can help support the gym when we run, when we run meets, but, uh, yeah, it was definitely, uh, it was a long-term, it was a long-term thing when I was running meets this year. It's, it's not thinking about what's now it's what's thinking. It's thinking about what's going to happen later on when we run meets. Yeah. So, I mean, if I, if I could give you a congratulatory kind of assessment of like all that's happened, um, you know, for, for those of you listening, I've, I've also directed a few meets myself and it is not mm-hmm. easy at all. And I think uh, uh, it, it's very cool that we're having this conversation today because actually in a couple of days this weekend, um, our University of Houston is going to have their annually recurring meet happen. And with that meet, what's been cool is uh, uh, the first two, like the first year I was the one who directed it and pitched it. And then the second year I was mainly involved, but then I had some help. And then over the years, it's, you know, different leaders have stepped up and said, hey, you know, this is a collegiate meet from our program. So we're the, you know, officers or we're the, you know, admin at this point in time, we're going to be the ones to step up and really take over and handle the meet this year. So uh, this year, we're going to have two of our graduate students partner up and, you know, host the meet. Um, but it's crazy because we followed a very similar trajectory to what you had just said, except ours was, you know, slower in that it's just once a year that we had this tradition to host it in uh, December. And I think the first year, just like you said, I had to recruit people. I had to be like, Hey, like, I really want to do this meet, you know, six months from now. Like, I'd love if you would consider competing a good amount of the uh, competitors, obviously people at my roster at the time, um, friends uh, that I knew powerlifted that wouldn't mind doing one, you know, just locally in the city. Um, I, I got, I remember Chance Mitchell and Johnny Candido did that meet as well. And, uh, both of them, you know, gave me props for running like a pretty smooth meet. I was very thankful for that. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, uh, it was tough because, uh, filling up, I think it was like a 50 lifter meet. Uh, yeah, I had to really push and, you know, prod people to, to try to do it way in advance. And then, you know, I think this year, uh, it's at a 75 lifters, I believe, but it was like hundred plus people interested. Like they were just like your meet where people were begging to get in there. Like, is there a waiting list? Is there a spot? Um, and, and, you know, luckily we have so many meets in Texas and Houston that, you know, it wasn't too big of a deal if people couldn't do this one mm-hmm. and all those people that aren't doing it are either volunteering or just coming out the handle and watch. So yeah. it works out, but, uh, it's, it's, I admire and respect that, you know, you put all that time and effort and like what you said from the surface, uh, I would have thought, wow, like your meets look like they're popping. They're just super sold out. But those <laughs> earlier meets, I didn't even know. And, and that I respect that, you know, you not only 
like mainly your attitude, right? About this, this difficulty and, and, you know, this project, maybe not going as well as you would have wanted and saying, I'm not going to let that hinder me or, or put me down. I'm going to use that as fuel, use that as data to say, how can I do better? How can I make the next one, you know, more awesome, more amazing, uh, and just the marketing too behind it. And I think next year, I'm really hoping for you that, uh, you, now you can have that stable schedule where everyone kind of knows in Hawaii, like, okay, these are the three, four, maybe four big meets that we can look forward to at every quarter of the year. And, uh, and it will be a little bit more sustainable, you know, obviously on, on both your, your, uh, staff members as yourself on just something that becomes more auto-regulated, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure, man. I really appreciate that, bro. I appreciate the kind words. It, it really means a lot, man. But yeah, going back to, you know, from the outside looking in, like you probably wouldn't have thought that, you know, we only had 30, 40 lifters, but that was what I wanted. You know, like I wanted it to be like, even though there's 30 lifters, like we want to make this feel special for them. You know, doesn't matter if we have 30 lifters, if we have 70, 100, 200 lifters, like I want to make this um, an experience that, that they're going to remember, you know, and they're going to appreciate. So even though we had like a third lifter meet, I was like, fuck it, man, we got to make this, we got to get some. So another cool thing that we do, and, and this is all thanks to our staff and our tech table staff, but like everyone who competes at our meet, we send out like a, um, a Google form a couple weeks in advance and we have them put in additional information. Like, you know, this is where you're from. This is your team. Mm, X, like y, a bio. Thank yous. Yeah, like a lifter bio and then also song requests. So no matter if it's cool. your, first, your first meet and we have 30 people, um, and you're deadlifting a hundred pounds, like you still get a, a, a PR song, song request, you know? Um, so we have like our tech table who prepares, um, the whole playlist shout out to, to Angie, Angelica, she puts in the work and makes sure that every time on meet day, we have a playlist for flight ABC, um, attempts one, two, three, like for everyone, you know, so everyone gets to choose the songs that they want and they get to make it feel special for them. And we try to do, you know, spotlights and things like that. Make it really feel like a primetime meet. Make it feel special regardless of, you know, whether you've done 10 meets or you've done one meet, you know. So um, that's something that we, we, we pride ourselves in. And that's something that we definitely want to continue going forward. Where, like, no matter what, no matter if it's a novice meet or our biggest meet of the year, like, we want to make it special. You know, one thing I want to say on everything you just stated is, you know, I feel like if I flip the perspective, it's more about what, what really, you know, makes me proud of you as a friend and, and, and to hear is for you, it doesn't matter that it's a small 30 lifter meet you want, because it's a small 30 lifter meet. Some people look at it as, Oh, this is like, we can just be real casual about running this thing. We don't have to really care about how we run this meet. And honestly, in, in this country, when I look at different local meets at that level, that's kind of what I, what I feel and what I see. But to see you flip it on the other side and say, for those 30, I want to make it the most special meet they did that th that year. And I'm sure a lot of the people who've done some of your first few like origin meets, they're going to remember that meet, you know, for the rest of their lives and say, man, I was part of the origin. I was part of the beginning. And I remember when we only did 30 lifter meets. Yeah. Now, it, you know, like it's hard to even find a meet Jaren can even have the time to host where it's just 30 people intimately, you know, being able to compete together and, and share that experience. Now, like to see that you're getting sold out meets clearly, you know, you've listened, you've, you've heard what people wanted and the marketing got out, the word got out, the positive reviews got out. Mm -hmm. And there are definitely meets out there where, you know, maybe they don't run it so well the first time and it's bad notoriety and people, maybe they don't host it again next year. People don't really care to do it, but to hear yours get to a point where within really just the, the whole first year of just hosting these meets uh, towards the end, it'd be at a sold out level. Clearly it means you're doing something right. And, and I'm sure you've heard that praise from others, whether you accept it or not, but I want to be, you know, the next one to, to really say that to you because yeah, that's the reality, man. Objectively people love your meets. It's hype. And yeah. <laughs> uh, whether it's, um, you know, you hear these meets throughout the country, some of the ones in, you know, Texas or Warcat or some of the Virginia meets, um, Hawaii's putting themselves on the map as a place where even one of my lifters, uh, Pedro, went over to one of your recent meets. You know, he didn't have the best performance there due to an injury, but 
just to spend time and vacation in Hawaii with the significant other. I mean, like that really was the big reward at the end of all of it and meeting yeah. you guys and all the lifters there. So well, one of the things I was curious about, because I remember you mentioned that uh, you had hosted the state meet as well as um, from, from my understanding, you've been the state chair for Hawaii for a little while, because I remember a long time ago when we talked, um, you know, uh, it was something where there were, there was a more of a veteran lifter household name who ran that position. But now I'm guessing at some point, you know, the torch was passed and how have you uh, handled that responsibility? What has it been like just being the state chair for Hawaii? Yeah, for sure. For sure, man. So our old state chair was Tony Harris. Um, you know, he's, he's a legend. He's a legend in the sport, man. He's done so much, you know, for himself as, as a lifter, but then also he's done so much for our community too. You know, like when I was an undergrad and um, when I was still trying to work my way up in the community and get involved in different roles, he was always so supportive, so supportive of growing the next generation, so supportive of, of everything that we were doing. Um, and, you know, at the end of last year, I talked to Tony and was like, hey, you know, I have some plans to run meets next year. And, um, you know, if 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 you're if you're open with it, I would like to be the state chair and I'd like to take the lead on it and and um, kind of kind of take the sport in, in a direction that I think um, would be really exciting. And he was all for it. He was very supportive of it. And he was like, yeah, let's do it. Um, so I became the state chair at the beginning of this year. Um, and I believe I'm the state chair for, I think the term is three years. So it's from mm -hmm. um, 2022 to 2025. So yeah, I mean, pretty much what I'm here to stay. Yep. Yep. So I'll be here for, for the next couple of years. And I'm going to try to, to, to be in this role even more than that too. So um, yeah, um, one of my biggest goals was I just really wanted to grow the sport. I wanted to grow the sport. I wanted to grow the federation because we didn't really have too many people who were competing in USA powerlifting in Hawaii. Um, in mm -hmm. Hawaii, USPAs, um, they definitely had a bigger presence before then. And they do an amazing job too. You know, um, Darren, the state chair for um, US, USPA, does a phenomenal job. And he really set the foundation, you know, and grew up, uh, you know, grew the grew the sport in Hawaii for the past almost 10 years. Um, but a lot of people were doing the USPA meets. Not too many people had interest in doing USA powerlifting. Um, but I knew that there was a lot of untapped potential there. So I wanted to take the lead on that and more so just really grow our, our federation and provide opportunities for um, our, our, our youth and our, the younger generation coming up. You know, because in USA powerlifting, their collegiate nationals is phenomenal. Their raw nationals is unbelievable like it's just such a high level of competition and um i don't think you can you can replicate that anywhere else and you can't beat it you know so to me it was it was about providing the best opportunities that i could for for our community and to do that if we want to take them to collegiate nationals and take a big team or we want to take a big team to raw nationals we need to grow the federation down here so that's basically where it stemmed from um i really wanted to grow our roster down here so um not only just the people competing, but I really wanted to grow our, our staff. So I wanted to grow our referees, our tech table workers, our spotters and loaders, encourage people to be in different roles where they're really giving back to the community because we both know this as meet directors, like you need a lot of volunteers and you need people to, to step up, but not everyone wants to do that, you know, but some people just need that, that extra little nudge to be like, Hey man, like it's, it's really rewarding. And once they do, they're usually like, Oh my God, this is awesome. You know? They get to see what it's like on both sides of a competition. They know how much work goes in when they're competing. So now that they've competed, they're like, okay, I want to give back the next time if I'm not going to be competing. So it's kind of like a cool thing where people pretty much take turns competing and then and staffing the meets. But mm -hmm. that, was, that was a big, big goal of mine was to just grow our staff and get more people involved in the actual sport outside of just competing. You know, because that way people all feel like they have a bigger responsibility with what we're doing and a bigger role in what we're doing. Um, we're, we're just going to be able to, to grow the community more than we would have if everyone's just competing. You know, mm -hmm. so that makes sense. It was, um, yeah, it was, it was pretty awesome, but it was just growing our, our, the number of lifters, growing our staff, and then putting on um, more meets. But more importantly than that, putting on high quality meets. So those were like a few goals that I had. And I feel like throughout the course of the year, we've we've definitely been able to do that and honestly exceed what I thought we were we were going to be able to do. So um, I'm really happy, and I know that next year is going to be even better. Um, we're going to have a lot more staff next year because a lot of the people who 
you know, are involved in our community right now. They did their first meet either like in January or April or, or July. So they're not able to become state refs yet. You have to be a, a member for one year before you can take your set, your state referee exam. So, mm -hmm. um, the past couple of meets, it's been kind of tough because like we're really Same people, short, staff, yeah, short staffed on who can referee. Um, but next year it's going to be awesome. I think we're going to have a whole new, um, batch of fresh referees or new referees. And I think we'll be able to pretty much double, double our staff that we have right now. So that's a big goal leading yeah. into to next year, just continuing to do mm -hmm. what we've been doing and do what works and just do it better. It'll, it'll definitely get easier, my friend. And, and yeah, I mean, that, that's a shout out to those referees who are kind of the ones that always have to be there and, you know, help out for this first year. But yep. yeah, I mean, that, that, that's amazing that, um, you know, as, as a, I, like when you look at it with this macro, uh, big picture outlook, it makes a lot of sense because, uh, to give you an example, uh, I remember I went to this one meet in North Dakota, not a very populated state, obviously. Um, and they only have that one meet all year to look forward to. And it was like 90, 95 lifters. Honestly, it was kind of understaffed. Uh, the, the flights were really big. It was at the max cap. Um, the meet was delayed. It just, it was tough to run it because I feel like, you know, you get all these lifters across the country or across the state where they're driving four or five hours from the other side of the state, because this is literally the only one every year. But I think the difficulty there, when I look at a meet like that is, you know, it's probably the same people and same staff he knows helping him every year, but nothing's grown. So it's like you get 90 plus lifters in the state alone, even though it's a, not a populated state. I want to do a meet, but they only have one to look forward to every year and that's tough. And I think uh, with your, with, in your case, the reason I feel like you're seeing this quick explosion of interest and the growth is because you're growing it from a grassroots level and fueling, you know, the, the next lifter, the next veteran, the next, you know, friend that you've worked with or, or teammate at your college club to take that, you know, step up and say, Hey, please give it back. Hey, please, you love this sport. This is your way of being able to continue to grow that community. And, and um, one of the things uh, I do want to pivot to aside from this is, you know, I'm, I'm someone uh, that never visited Hawaii and I'm, fairly unfamiliar when I look at the geography of Hawaii, obviously. Um, I know, uh, obviously, your, your gym's in a pretty populated city, a pretty populated part of Hawaii. But if you were to kind of break it down for those of us listening and including myself on if you were to visit Hawaii, like what's kind of the geography like? What are like the major cities, the islands or like what? Like, why would you go to one uh, like, you know, across another? Is it even easy to get across islands? Like, well, how would you explain the geography of Hawaii to me? Yep, for sure, for sure. So we're um, we're located on the island of Oahu, um, and I, I would say that's probably the most the island with the most going on. So we have like a lot of tourism, we have a lot of hotels, a lot of restaurants, and um, we have like a you know nightlife and restaurants stay open pretty late. On some of the outer islands, um, like on Maui and Kauai, their restaurants close at like eight o'clock. So it's it's definitely um, a lot more country, I guess you could say, like. Um, mm -hmm. life is a lot more simple. There's not a ton going on, um, in terms of like nightlife, you know, in terms of nightlife and things to do after 8 PM. Um, so yeah, I would say Oahu, we're, we're definitely the most populated, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we have, we, we have a lot going on, but we're a smaller Island too. Like we're not as big as, as the big Island, but, um, yeah, I would say a lot of tourists like to come to Oahu. Um, if they're mm -hmm. looking for a lot of things to do and they'd like to visit outer islands, if maybe they're looking for more, like I said, that country vibe, they're looking for just nature really hiking. Yeah. Like, you know, the beaches aren't as, as populated, like in Hawaii, if you come to a beach, like in Waikiki, there's tourists everywhere, you know? Um, so yeah. I guess it really just depends on what you're looking for. You know, do you want something that's a little slower paced? Then a lot of people will go to the outer islands. If you want something um, that has a little bit of a faster pace, but that's, that's relative because we're a lot slower paced than like places like LA or for sure New York. Like, yeah, we're, we're definitely slow paced overall, but faster paced than the other islands, I would say. Um, I and, see. Yeah. And then in terms of our location relative to the island, uh, we're right by, we're like maybe 10 minutes away from Waikiki and about five minutes away from Ala Moana. So those are probably the more popular places in terms of tourism and places where people stay and hotels. Um, the place that we're in is Kaka'ako. So it's, it was honestly the, the number one spot that I wanted to be in like location wise. Mm. 
Oh, excuse me. Location-wise, there's um, a lot going on. There's a lot of restaurants around the area. There's a lot of things to do. There's a lot of, you know, breweries around the area as well. There's a lot of residential buildings. So it's definitely the the upcoming area. Like they're really trying to build it up and cater it towards the younger audience. So I knew that this was the place that I wanted to be in. We're right across the street from H Mart as well. So like H Mart and <laughs> I see a Whole Foods as well. Exactly, bro. People want to do grocery shopping or just grab a snack. It's literally right there. We're also right across the street from, um, it's basically like a kind of like a shopping complex slash like eatery complex called salt. And they're really popular as well. They have a lot of great places to eat. Um, and we're right by the beach. We're right by the beach. So we're literally like a five minute walk from the beach. Um, and then if we go a little more to the right, it's going to be Ala Moana. And that's like the biggest mall that we have in Hawaii. Um, oh, wow. I think I saw somewhere that Ala Moana might be like the biggest, one of the biggest outdoor malls in general. Um, so it's it's a great mall. It's a great place to be in. Um, and then, you know, just right of that is going to be Waikiki, which is a lot of the a lot of the hotels. So for a lot of people who are visiting, it's really accessible for them because it's just like a five, 10 minute drive away or they can even walk or they can biki. Um one of our members, his name is uh, is Daniel. He he's actually the owner of Train True in Korea. Um, oh, so wow. he he owns yeah. So he owns Train True in Korea, but he's gonna be going back and forth between Hawaii and Korea because his wife is going mm-hmm. to college at the University of Hawaii. Um, but they oh, live in Waikiki, okay. and he just bikes over. He just bikes over. It's like a ten minute That's bike. Cool. He's like, yeah. So it's it's really cool. Um, you can access the gym from a lot of different areas and it's a great place to be into. Like I wanted to be in a place where people wanted to stay and they wanted to hang out, you know, like some of some, sometimes our members stay here from, they stay here like all day. Like they'll come in just to hang out and they'll stay until dinner time. Um, Cause mm-hmm. there's, just, there's a lot of things to do in the area. It's a safe area. It's a, it's a nice place to be in. So um, yeah, that, that's, that's amazing, man. I, yeah, for those of you listening, uh, while while Jaren and I were were looking at it and talking, I I, I had the map of uh, uh, Honolulu, Hawaii, etc. All open, so we were just kind of peeking at it. And yeah, the, yep. the area looks really nice. I mean, it looks like one of those like just shopping center areas in Houston that you can find. And funny enough, uh, before our call, I looked up the population of Hawaii in total versus like uh, Houston, and like Hawaii was a little bit over, I think like 1 million, and that Houston was a little over 2 billion. So it's crazy to think, uh, you know, I live in a city where there's going to be almost twice as many uh, just you know, residents and citizens uh, in comparison. But I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, this area looks awesome. It's close to the airport. Um, yep. I'm excited, uh, if, you know, if we get the opportunity to visit. Um, but the yeah, like uh, the location looks good. Uh, for the big island, I remember you mentioned that I see it on the map on kind of the far side. Um, like what would be the reason like one would go towards here? I see more like volcanoes and reserves. Like is this more of like the nature-esque like island to go visit? Yep, yep, for sure. So that's another great island to visit. I don't I actually don't even think I've I've visited there before. At least not in recent memory. Maybe when I was like really young, like a baby, but um haven't been there recently. But it's it's again, it's more kind of like uh it's it's more country. Like I have a few friends who live over there and some people who've lived on on Oahu, um, the Yoshikawas. Actually, I keep bringing, this is like my third time bringing up Chris <laughs> Yoshikawa, but they're, they're from Kona. But then, you know, they came over like when they were like in high school, him and his brother. But his brother moved back to Kona, but he, he really likes like the slower, uh, slower paced lifestyle. Um, he really loves diving as well. He loves diving, fishing. Um, so that's, that's perfect for him. Um, as opposed to like, is it where it's like a little more. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a little busier, a little more crowded, and he likes the the simpler lifestyle there. So, um, yeah, I mean, Big Island is is the is the biggest biggest island as, the, it, as the, <laughs> is it uh, is it relatively difficult or like what would it cost to just like casually go to another island if you were like wanting to go visit one for the weekend? Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe like a hundred dollars round trip, a hundred two hundred dollars round trip. It's 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 definitely affordable. Um, it's doable. And you get on like a boat or something? Um, I think they used to have, uh, yeah, you you could buy like ferries or is that? Is that yeah, right? I guess yeah, that's yeah, what it would okay. be called. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so you could do that, but most people just fly. They just, yeah. Oh, really? Do. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, for sure. But that makes sense. 
Yeah, yeah. But we also have a big support system um, in Hilo, too. Like, a few of them fly over to our meets. Like, I think for one of our meets, we had, like, 10 of them fly over. So, really, really awesome there. Um, yeah, and I think that's another thing that we could look to and we could look forward to in the future as well, just trying to do meets in outer islands. Um, it's kind of mm -hmm. tough because, you know, if we do a meet in outer, outer islands, we'd have to ship over our equipment. Equipment, we'd have yeah. to, you know, provide the equipment, get it shipped there. But um, I think it's definitely something that we want to do in the next couple of years. I see. Yeah. And, and uh, in terms of the gyms, what I noticed on the map earlier was a uh, Montevarba, which I remember you've mentioned in the past, was not too far away uh, mm -hmm. from where Kyo currently is. Yep. And uh, in comparison, um, you know, like two, a two part question there, like, uh, how have you felt, you know, being pretty close to, I guess, what could be a friendly competitor? And secondly, in these outer islands, do you even know that there's like other gyms out there that you that that you just know of? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's definitely, I mean, Mana is where we came from. You know, they did so much for us to to grow the community. And for a while before we, we opened up Ukiyo, like all of the meets that were ran were ran out of Mana. You know, so all of the USPA meets, even the USA powerlifting meets, because we were there, um, it was coming out of Mana. So um, so much love, so much respect for them. And some of our friends still train at Mana too. So it's all love and support. Um, but yeah, it, it's not too, it's not, too much of a, I definitely wouldn't call it competition because, you know, we're doing our thing, they're doing their thing too. And although we're in close proximity with each other, I think it's probably like a 10 minute drive. Like, yeah, it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's all good. So, um, yeah, no. And some people prefer like a, I guess like a certain culture or vibe at a certain gym. So I mm -hmm. think, mm -hmm. uh, uh, and there's nothing wrong with that in the sense of like some people are more going to gravitate more as of what I would imagine. At yeah. a few, you probably see a little bit more of a younger crowd, you know, like early twenties, mid twenties college, uh, especially with your involvement with the club. So mm -hmm. I think, I think that's cool. What about the outer, outer islands? Are there other gyms out there that you've spoken with? Yeah. Yeah. So I haven't spoken to too many gyms on the outer islands, but I know that there are a few. Um, and I, I want to say there's, there's probably maybe one to two powerlifting gyms on each of the islands, but, um, yeah, I, I think a lot of them too are kind of more catered towards like, uh, um, hitting a wider audience. So not, maybe not powerlifting specific, but they have like a powerlifting section. Maybe they have like a mm -hmm. rack or some cages or some, some plates and bars, but, uh, maybe not a powerlifting specific gym. Um, I don't think there's, um, I, I know there's Ho'omana Barbell. Um, they have a few combo racks. But I think aside from that, um, there aren't too many gyms who are fully equipped with competition equipment, you know, have like three, four, five racks with kilo plates and, and bars. But um, they still have, have everything that they need to provide for their community. So, yeah, it's pretty awesome to see. And hopefully in the future we can, we can like, I, like we talked about, just, you know, building up more gyms that have combo racks so that we can fly over to host a meet and we have all of the, competition equipment that we need all of the warm-up equipment which is a big thing that a lot of people don't really consider it's like you you can have one comp like you know what you need is one combo rack because you need that for the competition platform but you also need a lot of equipment for the the warm-up area too so 100 percent, yeah so uh, that being said, um, you know, now that you've kind of given me an overview of like, uh, I guess, the layout of Hawaii, um, I know uh, at some point you had prefaced or talked about wanting to potentially expand or move locations mm -hmm. um, with, with that, um, you know, project or vision uh, with the proximity change. What's kind of the reason or what's prompting, you know, this potential expansion? Can you share anything about that uh, as kind of a preview for all of us? Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. So what's really prompting it is is just having a bigger space and having being able to offer more for our members and for the community, right? Like I never want to just be complacent with where we're at and like, okay, because we're here, we're comfortable, like we can stick with it. Um, the space that we're at, we have a lot of equipment in it. Basically just like how things work with shipping equipment to Hawaii is like, you have to either place like a really big order um, for, for it to be worth it. Because if you just place an order for like one to two pieces, they're going to, the shipping is crazy. Like for some of the pieces, yeah. the shipping is just as expensive as the, the cost of the piece itself. So like if a piece a bodybuilding machine, is like $5,000, the shipping <laughs> 5,000 as well. So it'd be like 10,000 just for one machine, you know? So, um, it's like, if you just get a couple pieces here and there, it's, it, it's fucking crazy. Um, but if you get a whole containers worth and ship it via freight, you know, maybe you pay 15 to 
20,000 for the container, but you get to fill it up. But then also, if you fill up the container, you have to get like 10 fucking 10, 10, 15 machines. So it's kind of like the, you're either all in or big you're order. Like, yeah. Or you're like, ah, oh, mm-hmm. I'll probably hold off. And for us, what we did we, is we outfitted our gym with Panada. So they're pretty much the highest quality bodybuilding company on the market. And they're from Italy. And so that's what we did. We decided to go all in. Um, I wanted the best equipment for our members. So I was like, okay, let's get this container worth of equipment. We'll get everything that we need. We have like 15 machines in, in the space that we're in. Um, we've got like a hack squat, a belt squat, leg press, hip thrust. Um, we have like four rowing machines, four selectorized machines, a whole cable pulley system. So we got like everything that we needed. But when the, when the container arrived at our gym, I was like, oh my, holy fuck. Like, how am I going to fit all yeah. of this into the gym? Because I laid it out prior to, to us ordering it, right? I laid it out in like Google Sheets and I was like, okay, this machine takes up this much square footage. Okay, this one takes up this much square footage. And I laid it out and I was like, yeah, this looks, this looks good. You know, it looks good. We can definitely have enough space to maneuver around. Like, we'll be fine. Um, but then on paper, you know, looking at it in like in, in 2D versus actually having it in front of you, it's very different. So when we brought yeah. it in, I was like, oh, fuck, this is, it's a lot, Max. Not going to fit here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we, we packed the gym. Um, there's a lot of equipment in there. And on top of that, we have six combo racks too. So that takes up a lot of space. Um, and I kind of just, I mean, I, I got some some feedback from some members too. And it would be nice if we could have more space. And I took yeah. that very, very seriously. And I was like, okay, well, I think when we're ready for the position to expand, I definitely want to do it, you know? So um, I've been so fortunate and so, so lucky and so thankful that we have such a strong support system um, and we're at a stage now where we're ready for something bigger. You know, of course it's going to, it's, it's going to be a risk again, anytime you do any kind of move, right? Whether you're opening a gym for the first time, whether you're moving into a new location, it's going to be a risk. Um, but it's a risk that I'm willing to take and it's a calculated risk. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited for it because the space that we're, we're looking to move into is going to be about double the space that we currently have. Um, and it's nice. going to be space mm-hmm. for, to have everything, spaced out you know we're gonna have a lot of area for for the competition area we're gonna have a lot of space for the bodybuilding machines and then some space to um include more machines as well so we can get some extra chest pressing machines that that i want to get um and we have space to build on the office too so haven't made the announcement yet um about where it's going to be i'm hoping that we're going to make the announcement sometime at the beginning of next week um but yeah, the space that we're looking at right now, it's, it's about double the space that we're currently in. So it's going to be exciting, man. And it's, it's really just, yeah, it's hearing the, hearing the demands of our members and me just trying to fulfill it, man, and provide the best gym and the best environment and the best equipment that I possibly can. That's amazing. And, and uh, at least with the whole like uh, needing to buy all that equipment at once, you guys have kind of overcome the typical stereotypical opening of a smaller powerlifting gym where they only have like powerlifting equipment and not yeah. as much like general population uh, equipment. But for you guys, like obviously getting 15 uh, pieces of uh, equipment, it's like you've kind of already filled the gaps of all the things, The maybe the more casual powerlifter or someone who just wants to go in and general fitness strength train uh they can come in and say oh okay you guys actually have everything that i need so i think that that uh and will end up you know in itself paying itself off if it hasn't already especially now that you're you know considering moving into this twice the size space so i'm i'm really wishing you guys the best with the move i'm sure you know just transporting equipment again and setting everything up it's not easy uh, but i i know if anyone can do it it's you guys with the vision that you've set Thank you. Um, I know uh, if, with that being said, obviously it might uh, uh, preview or, or prompt us to consider, you know, wanting to come to Hawaii as a team and maybe even hosting something at your, at your new gym, whether it's another meet or whether it's a seminar of some kind. Yep. Um, if, you know, if we were to host something like that, do you feel like based on what your members kind of are wanting or what you're hearing, is there something that they'd like to see in terms of uh, if we were to come out, like what's kind of been the, the what would be the response to that, you think? Yeah, for sure, man. I think there's a big, big interest um, for a seminar like this because I don't think we've ever even had a powerlifting seminar here, you know, from the top coaches in the sport, you know, flying down. I mean, that's that that itself is is a lot, you know, for someone to fly down to, to Hawaii, um, let alone to fly down. Because, I mean, most people come down to do, you know, to take a vacation or something like that. They don't want to treat it as like a work trip. So 
Um, for you guys to come down and for us to do a seminar, I think we'd be the first ones to do it. Um, definitely the first ones um, at this level for powerlifting to do it. So it'll be very exciting, man. And I think for a lot of the people too, just being able to pick everyone's brains, you know, pick, pick my brain, your brain, Sean, Aiden, you know, because we don't really get an opportunity to do that. If we did want to do that, we'd have to fly up someplace to get real in-person, hands-on um, experience. So, and I mean, a lot of people are just not able to do that. You know, they're not able to fly to the mainland just to get a one-on-one -on -one coaching session or one-on-one -on -one feedback in person. So um, if you guys came here, I feel like that would just be something that it, you, you wouldn't be able to find anywhere else, you know, and they uh, would get a one-of-a-kind experience that they've never had before. Um, and on top of that, I think just being able to, to, you know, obviously present information, but then after that, have like a hands-on session where we get to train together. We get to, of course, do squat, bench, deadlift, but I think you guys would love the bodybuilding machines too. Like for anyone who's really into biomechanics, the machines that we have, you know, it's going to be phenomenal. Um, one of our directors that we have, Randall, he's a big, he loves biomechanics. Like that's his whole, that's his whole thing. He's so knowledgeable. Um, and he, he geeks out over the equipment that we had. Like when he mm -hmm. found out that we had like prime fitness and we had um, all the attachments and the functional trainer and, you know, you can manipulate the way that it feels and you have the Panada machines, like it's, it's amazing. So not only do we get to touch into powerlifting, but we also get to touch into some biomechanics and some bodybuilding too, get in some great training sessions, um, get in touch with the community in that way. And I think, I mean, it just goes hand in hand, man. If we can make the whole training experience for a lifter from their primary lifts, you know, squat, bench, and deadlift to the accessories. If we can teach them something and um, make them more knowledgeable in everything, it's, it's, a, it's a big win. So very excited to, to have you guys down, man. Um, I know everyone in the community is excited to have you guys down too. So it's going to be exciting. Yeah, well, for those of you that may be listening uh, that's from Hawaii, definitely uh, pitch to Jaren some ideas or what you would want to look for, whether it's you want a little bit more hands-on form check or whether it's more of a technical programming side, since I know that's very difficult to try to uh, get kind of a seminar of that kind. Mm -hmm. um, very excited. And I think for this one, we would even try to do our best to fly Eric over from Sweden for the first time, bring him to the States, yeah. get, uh, really you know, bust his uh, United States experience with Hawaii as his first one, which I think is hilarious. And so it's definitely probably the least representative of, of the, the country because it's so different and unique from the rest of the country. Mm -hmm. And I'm definitely excited because uh, I think for some of the people following out me out there, while I've been traveling to all these different states, I think Hawaii will finally get me a little closer to finishing off my 50 state bucket list because I'm at number 46 right now. So I got mm -hmm. four left. And uh, Hawaii and Alaska are already on my sites next year. Um, and and uh, I'm, I'm hoping to, you know, have an amazing time where even if it is a quote unquote work trip per se, I think, uh, uh, be, you know, sharing that with you, Sean, and the rest of the team, it'll, it'll definitely not really feel that way. You know, we'll be there definitely to provide insight and help the community and, and provide some value. But I think at the same time, I'm looking forward to, you know, the, the meeting the people out there, the food, uh, the just the sites, because I really haven't visited anywhere that remotely comes close to Hawaii. So, yeah, I'm super excited for that. And, you know, outside of that, Jaren, uh, is there anything else you want to kind of leave us off with, whether uh, any projects, plans with the gym, anything else before we kind of close it off for the night? Yeah, I guess there's there's a few things that, that we can touch on. So if there's anyone who's looking to compete, well, we touched on it earlier, but um, May is going to be our biggest meet of the year. Um, we're going to make a okay. meet announcement soon. So if anyone wants to, to fly down for that one, we want to have a primetime session for that as well. Um, we're going to awesome. put a ton into the production, uh, make it the best meet we've ever done. So that's going to be a really exciting one. And, um, hopefully we can, we can schedule it around the same time, like maybe have the meet and the seminar around the same time as well. I think that would be awesome. Um, but yeah, in terms of our biggest meet of the year, it's going to be in May. Um, we're looking to expand and move into our new space for Ukiyo at the beginning of next year. So that's, that's something uh, really exciting to look forward to. So the first half of the year is just going to be, it's just going to be nonstop, man. But I'm I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be awesome. 
That's amazing, man. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm super excited. I'm already planning to really, you know, make this happen and go over there and see kind of the final project uh, or final, you know, pr product of what yeah. you really put together for this uh, beginning of this next year. And, uh, definitely just really excited to go out there and, and check everything out with Hawaii and, you know, join you guys and, and kind of have that grand opening as well as that really big meet that you're, that you're looking forward to. That's, that's really awesome. And I think one thing I'll really say to kind of leave off on that is some of the meets I've done where even if my performance wasn't the best, the memories I, you know, really got out of the meet, the friends I made, uh, made the people I shared that experience with, I think that really has provided some of the value in some of the meets I did. I remember one of the Raw Nationals, uh, uh, we went to Disneyland before the the meet because just in my schedule, there was no other day or time to go. And I think uh, uh, it, that was one of the first times I really got to go as an adult and, and not with my family when I was young. So mm -hmm. I was like, hey, you know, screw it. I'm going to go and help me kind of cut a, a little bit of weight before the day of the meet, just walking. Uh, fortunately, it didn't affect my squats or anything too much. But I mean, yeah, just thinking back to those memories, I think, uh, you know, for those of you that might want to consider doing a meet and fly out for one, I mean, what better place than Hawaii, right? To, to really come and enjoy both the awesome production meet from you, as well as just to really enjoy it as a vacation, as a mini getaway, and truly kind of resonate with the name of the gym as their escape of living in the moment and being able to come to your gym and and kind of share uh, that with you in the community. So really excited for all the projects you have coming up, Jaron. Thank you so much for your time again. And uh, looking forward to hopefully seeing you again in person, my friend. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. I always appreciate the talks that we have, man. Um, I, I mean, you guys can't see me right now, but I'm smiling year to year. So it's always great uh, catching up with Michael, man, and catching up on life. So uh, I appreciate it, man. And yeah, for sure. We'll definitely be seeing each other soon. Thank you guys for all listening and uh, hopefully we'll catch you guys again on another episode of the High Bar Podcast.